Welcome to the 411th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome and thanks for listening. Hey, I have a couple of guests, Hattie Delaney Minerich, our registered dietitian, nutritionist from the practice, as well as Jason Bronstadt, who is the CEO of Mulk Organics, and that's Mulk, M-A-L-K. The funny part about that is my grandson refers to his non-dairy milk as mulk. Um, so we had a little bit of a chuckle over that. I don't often have people in industry on the podcast, but I thought this was a unique opportunity to bring up some educational aspects of ingredients reading. And I have to admit that when I first um, actually got called from Mulk Organics about interviewing Jason, I looked him up on the uh, Google the Google machine search and found that he had worked for some not-so-healthy companies in the past. I was like, oh, this is going to be another guy, another CEO just pushing a product, and, you know, do I really want to go down that rabbit hole because that's not really what we're about. But the reality of it is, is that Jason has a health journey to share as well. And the other thing is that we all have a health journey that we share as well. We all started out eating differently for the most part and have switched or are switching to a plant-based diet. And there are a lot of obstacles in the way. You know, you might switch to just being vegan, uh, work your way to, to, you know, more whole foods. There's always oils, there's ingredient label reading, and, and there's so many bumps along the way as far as products coming along that make a vegan's life easier as well with some processed food, some fake meat, so to speak, and of course, different non-dairy alternatives. And when it comes to non-dairy milks, the kicker is trying to convince your family to drink them and trying to get a milk that goes in your coffee or a froth or has a texture that everybody likes. I can remember when my father and my family, you know, way back when went from whole milk to 2% to skim milk. And, you know, the old adage was that's the blue milk and nobody liked it and why drink it? And, you know, but eventually everybody got used to it. Um, and this can be, you know, a big transition for the family. And there's enough problems at dinner time and breakfast time to not have this interfere. And also there's the fear of, am I getting the right amount of nutrients and additives? But what we're going to talk about is some of the additives that are in some of the processed foods. And non-dairy milks play a big role in that because, again, there are different thickeners used to make them have the texture of, of, of real milk. And, or I should say dairy milk. I'm not going to say real milk. One of them, guar gum, is typically used in a cold foods as thickeners. Xanthan gum is typically used in baking goods. And there's locust bee gum. And we see it over and over in um, foods that are on the shelf. Some provide shelf stabilization as well as thickeners. Some prevent uh, separating of ingredients. But where do they come from and are they actually harmful and should is there any kind of daily limit? And, and there's really not as, as far as regulations. They're all thought of as being fairly healthy, but for instance, xanthan gum comes from glucose that is from corn, soy, or wheat, which is fermented with a bacterial organism uh, to form a powder. And that corn, soy, or wheat is most likely genetically modified, so you can get into the whole 
um, microbiome issue with those products as well as the gluten potential. So if someone is gluten intolerant or celiac and there is xanthan gum, there possibly could be a significant reaction that, again, it's so hard to navigate some of these food products because there's so many different additives. Guar gum comes from a soluble fiber from a, a, a legume, a, I'm sorry, a legume guar beans, um, but it needs borax and calcium to get it into a form that it can be used commercially. So again, there's some processing involved. All non-dairy milks was carrageenan, um, which is an extract or extracted from red seaweed, which is Irish moss. But again, people with histamine intolerances or other irritable bowel type problems uh, can have uh, issues with too much of this particular product. There's also the question of this, how this is, uh, product is derived and the carcinogenic uh, potential from it. So, and again, we don't know how much we're consuming. It can be seen in toothpaste. It can be seen in milks. It can be, you know, a whole variety of, because it's a great thickener. So we're going to talk with Jason today about his product, which is special in that it only has three ingredients. Uh, he, there's an almond milk and there's an oat milk. But almond milk, for instance, is almonds, water, and Himalayan sea salt. So it makes label reading very easy. Takeaway for all packaged products is if there is a laundry list of chemicals, probably want to stay away from it for the most part. Because, again, they add up over the day and as far as the consumption. So I think you're enjoy hearing about the milk products, but I also think you're going to um, like hearing about Jason's story and how it kind of applies to everybody's health journey and what was your wake-up call to make you go towards a healthier lifestyle. So I'm a fan of the milk, and I'm going to let Jason and Addie join in and take it away. So thanks for listening. Welcome, Jason Bronstead, to the Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. Um, again, when we transition into plant-based nutrition, the first thing people ask, you know, what are you going to drink for milk? Uh, what's what's different? Uh, you know, back in the 90s, when I became vegan, we had soy milk and rice milk, and it was watery, and a lot of people didn't drink it. So the a lot of times, people just don't use any. Um, and over the years, more and more milks have alternative milks. The dairy industry doesn't want you to call them that have come to play, but you start looking and there's a laundry list of ingredients. And so trying to navigate, you know, which is best for your family, what to use. Um, and you've, you know, become the CEO of Mulk. Uh, organics. And we have the pleasure of having you on the podcast today to kind of tell us about your progress, uh, your your product and and how you came to represent it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, Dr. Laney, Addy, thank you for the, the time here. Um, so I've always been in consumer packaged goods, but I've never been aligned with where my health journey needed to be. Uh, quite frankly, most of my life, I was significantly overweight uh, and fast forward into 2019, I really started a, a focused health journey. And it was as much to ensure that I was demonstrating the right way for my kids to, to grow up eating because they were mimicking how I was eating and it wasn't a, a good path I was taking them down. 
So as a leader of the family, I wanted to make sure I transitioned first. Uh, fast forward to fall of 2020, I had the opportunity to transition with the, the founder and the board of directors into Malk Organics. And really with the mindset of expanding where Malk is available. We believe that our path in this journey for people is to help people uh, support their wellness and lifestyle journey. And to do that, our product has to be available out there. So we've been working over the last couple of years to, to expand our footprint and distribution. And I'm, I'm excited to share with you that coming February, we will be in all public stores for the first time ever. Wow. So our journey to provide malt to more consumers is absolutely uh, going down the right path. And it, uh, I hope that this opportunity to, to, to share the story of Malk with you all will help other parents uh, hear about what Malk is and what differentiates us from other plant-based milks and why we believe it is the cleanest product out there that you can serve to your family. Because I know it's the first product I've ever sold that my kids can have as much as they want. You know, it's it's funny as I, I look and I, I think about the, you know, evolution of uh, alternative milk products, you know, back in the day, um, you know, I grew up in West Virginia and I remember my family going to 2% cow's milk and then skim milk. And of course, people called it the blue milk, you know, because uh, it was thin and watery. And, you know, when the soy and rice milk first came out, it was thin and watery. <laughs> And, you know, and then there are the coffee drinkers out there that want something that they can put in their coffee. And so companies, you know, figured out how to put a bunch of additives that thicken it up to try to, to you know, to entice consumers. And it's funny when you talk about your family, Addie and I did a health fair, uh, was at a county uh, at a park, you know, to promote health and wellness for kids. And we decided as part of our practice that we would do a milk, uh, nut milk or alternative milk tasting table. And so it was before milk was available. It was a couple of years ago. And so I went to the store to get a variety of oat and rice and soy and all this kind of stuff. And we had the little cups, you know, to do the taste test. And I start reading the ingredients on some of the products. And it's like, I can't buy these. You know, I can't take these for kids to try because they're just full of, full of junk. And I think, you know, the packaging and the labels in some of these products, you know, it's like, well, it's not dairy, so it's okay. So take us through the journey on how you tried to do three, you know, you have a, a almond milk, three simple ingredients, no gum behind you. Um, take us through how milk was developed as an alternative to some of these products. Yeah. So the origin story is actually in Houston, Texas, where the founder wanted to transition her son from mother's milk to a non-dairy milk and started producing it at home, eventually to farmer's markets. And then due to the excitement around the clean ingredient uh, deck that it has, that farmer's market transitioned in, into a regional test with Whole Foods and then eventually natural, nationally with Whole Foods. So the belief is you don't need to add all the extra gums, oils, fillers, the carrageens, uh, the lecithins that thicken it. And, and why do why do other brands do that? Well, there's there's always the, the PL side of it. You know, they can make it more affordable on their side, lower the price of the end consumer, but they're trying to mimic that of dairy milk, the texture. The reality is I can't tell you what those ingredients do to your gut biome. Doctor, you probably can tell me a lot more. But for us, we believe that if it's just three simple ingredients in our unsweetened almond milk, almonds, water, and pink Himalayan sea salt. Those are all ingredients found in nature that your body recognizes. And we feel great about offering that up. And it's all organic. 
that is one of the things we stand behind. There's no uh, pesticides, no uh, glyphosate in any of our products. We make sure that our relationships and our sourcing goes down to the farm level because how the farmers treat the land that our uh, raw materials are grown on really is indicative of how the quality of our product shows up to the end consumer. Very, very good. That's incredible. Yeah. No, and I, I, I am in Houston <laughs> um, and actually just have a two and a half year old. And so looking at those ingredients too, you know, being a plant-based dietitian, I knew dairy was not on the table for us when we transitioned from nursing. Um, and so I, I love that you took the, the care and the time to ensure that because, you know, for most people out there, they don't know what's in these products. Um, and so, you know, when I have the the background that I do going and looking, even as just a new mom, it was hard to decipher what was the good option. Um, you know, so I, I love the, especially the organic side of things, because then you go down that rabbit hole and, and that side of things with the produce, as well as the milks that you're providing for your family. Do you all source from, you know, local areas? I know you, so are you, you're, you said started in Houston. Are you guys in Austin? Did I see that? And, and where kind of do you source your products from to make the milk? Yeah. So uh, we've shifted our headquarters to Austin, Texas. Um, okay. But we we go to the source. So almonds, 80% of the world's almonds are grown in the state of California. So our almonds are from California and, and we're very proud on how we've been able to partner with very responsible growers in California. And I know that one of the things people ask a lot of questions about on almond melts is what about the water usage? Well, the, the farmers that we partner with use 20 to 25% less water than other almond farmers based on their investment on the front side on the irrigation and sustainability techniques. So, and then oats are generally farmed in the, uh, the Midwest and up into Canada. So uh, going to the source and partnering with organic farmers to make sure that we get the, the treatment of the, the raw material from the ground all the way to the bottle. Fantastic, fantastic. It do you want to ask early, early on, there was, you know, um, explain to me or, you know, I'm, I, this looking, looking things up a little bit, are there, is there a sprouted, is it, is it sprouted now or what is the product uh, versus, you know, how has that evolved? So one of the things in, in the evolution is it, to ensure that we have the ability to get product out to, to more stores, uh, sprouting was taken off the table. Uh, in order to produce at the scale that we need to produce at. Yeah, I, 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 that's when I was looking at, you know, geez, I don't know how I read the podcast that went up this week on our, on our, uh, on, on my show is actually about sprouting. <laughs> and, and I, you know, and I'm doing a little, you know, window sprouting my, myself. And it's like, I can't, I, it's hard for me to believe how you could put the product out in mass quantity in sprouting and still have an overhead that was sustainable. Yeah, that's one of the the evolutions that we've done with the brand is, is you know, we we've taken the care down to the partnerships at the at the growers and the farmers and treated everything with the utmost respect uh, in the process, but the ability to sprout was not something that was sustainable in order to provide milk to more consumers. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I don't see how that could possibly possibly work um the other thing that i noticed on the the products both in the so the almond and the oat is that the sodium content's a little higher than other brands 
Yeah. So as we look at it, and I mentioned earlier, we want to support and ignite the personal wellness and lifestyle journey. And in order to have people transition from dairy, it has to taste good. And I think that's the the challenge that we've seen with a lot of brands that they can make very clean ingredients. But if it doesn't taste good to someone that is a dairy consumer, they're not going to transition to it. So salt has that uh, that ability to help people's taste buds really latch on. And, you know, we've we've worked on that content, the salt content for the last two years, and we're still trying to find ways to, to moderate it down slightly. Uh, but at this point, we feel really good. It's, it's not excessive, um, but it is one of our points of differentiation as we think about the flavor of our product and, and the ability to bring more consumers into a clean, simple ingredient product that doesn't have the oils, the gums, the carrageens. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, obviously, obviously, um, always a trade-off and in certain populations, it's less important than other populations. It's not a huge difference. Um, you know, in, in my population of heart failure patients, it's probably something that needs to be at least taken into account in somebody's daily, uh, intake. But again, in my population, the intake probably is not that excessive that it matters a whole lot. But, you know, it's something to, in, you know, something to look at. If you look at kids, though, as far as hydration, um, it's probably, a, you know, there's a good bit of potassium in there as well. So it's probably a good, uh, a good thing. Um, and that's something you mentioned kids there. I have, uh, I'm so blessed to have the, the test uh, consumers that I do. My daughter loves to cook. She loves to be in the kitchen. She loves to make her own milk shakes. She calls them with you know, fresh fruits and seeds. And even, uh, I'll never forget the day. I almost teared, I teared up because she added fresh spinach to a smoothie on her own. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> that actually made it better. And of course, my six-year-old son is looking over there going, you're crazy. You put spinach <laughs> in that? But it's it's giving the our kids the opportunity to experiment with fresh foods and giving them the, the tools and resources and let them find their path. You know, my son loves our oat milk. He does not like our almond milk. And you know what? That's great because he's able to express what it is he doesn't like about it. And, you know, it's just that environment with kids to give them something. And for me, having been in frozen foods and packaged meats and in beverage alcohol, to be a part of this experiment as we transition our family's uh, eating habits is, is really exciting for me. Well, and it, I think... Go ahead, Ed. I think what an awesome story that is. I'm so happy that we brought you on because I think sometimes we get hung up on, you know, so we, we analyze, you know, different foods for folks. Um, and then obviously being a dietitian, uh, I'm a junkie and everything. I, I see all the products that people consume and what's out there and, and you can be angered, but so you came from that background and selling those foods and then transitioned, but not just with your own personal health, you also put into practice with what your career is, which I think is wonderful, you know, because I don't think a lot of people necessarily would make that that swap as well. So kudos to you and for your family. Um, talking about your your son and the almond versus the oat, why did you all choose to go the almond and oat route as kind of your select milks compared to the others out there, like the, the soys or cashews or things like mm -hmm. that? So uh, when it was initially started in the farmer's market, it was... Uh, almonds, right? That was the, the nutrition density of the almonds. The, the palate of the almond was a little milder. 
Um, and, and that's the, our name, right? It's milk, but with almonds. So the I was replaced with the A. So Malk was born in 2015. Uh, and then, you know, as the, the company watched the trends in the industry and where people were going, oat as it continued to grow uh, was really a path to bring consumers in that were reticent to try the almonds or the soys or uh, the rice milks. So uh, a lot of it is, you know, understanding the nutritional density, but another chunk of it is we want more consumers to be in the space to have alternatives. And when we saw the the brands out there with rapeseed oil, it's like, we can do better. We can deliver a much healthier product that's going to taste even better than what the, you know, the market leaders are. And right. it's incumbent on us to deliver that to consumers. No, absolutely. No, the, the oat is, is one that's tricky. Um, you know, when that came onto the scene and we had more and more folks trying it, I wasn't even, you know, most of them at that point, other than the oat did not have the oils added to it. And I actually didn't even think to look, I wasn't using it. And then one day I was in the store and I turned one around. I was like, Oh my gosh, there's oil in this one. And I like started there. All the oats had oil in them. Um, and so, you know, that's awesome too, that you're able to have this product because within our population, um, you know, obviously seed oils aren't something that we want most people exposed to. Um, but then with our, our diabetic population or even folks looking to normalize BMI for lifestyle disease, you know, oils is something that we try to avoid for them from a health standpoint. And so even that little bit in their beverage that maybe they're putting in their coffee or their oatmeal or, or whatnot, that can cause a negative effect. So it's really nice that you guys remove that from your product or I guess never added it in um, to have an option for them too. Cause that, that was a little on the trickier side things with the milks out there. So no, I thought that was fantastic. And I, and the texture is so good. So we were able to sample, um, a variety of your products um, and the texture and, and the taste was all wonderful, nice and smooth and, and refreshing even I would say. So um, yeah, I, I was very uh, pleasantly surprised. I guess maybe not surprised since I, I love our, our almond and soy milks that we've had here, but it, it was a really good product to try. Well, I appreciate those kind words and, and I just want to reiterate to the potential new consumers, our product separates and it's perfectly natural. And we have on the on the lid, shake your mock well, because we don't add the gums and the fillers and the carrageens that have that natural binding nature. So you need to shake it up before you pour it out and that be it straight into your cereal, your coffee, if you choose to broth it up. One of my wife's absolute favorites is I take the unsweetened almond milk and I put a little bit of uh, fresh cinnamon in there and I froth that up and then I pour a cold brew over that. And that is her morning go to. I have, nice. to, I have to tell you that I took the uh, vanilla um, almond milk this morning and uh, frosted it. And I just showed my nurse as somewhat of a coffee snob and certainly a, in one of her, um, you know, we transitioned the practice being plant-based. And the last thing she would give up was her half and half in her coffee in the morning. And so we finally, we, we had to transition her to, you know, milks with a lot of fillers so that was you know we've we've weaned her down and finally it, you know she first she's like does it froth and it's like and i showed her a picture i have this beautiful uh cup of coffee with this big old foam froth on top and yes it does but again that's a good point uh when people get your product to make sure you shake it up because that would be a reason for it not to froth if it you know was was you know settled out a little bit 
Absolutely. That's uh, that's when my daughter's making her malk shakes. My son will always come over. Can I shake the malk? So he'll <laughs> grab the bottle and he'll shake it as fierce as he can and then hand it to his sister. So he's, uh, he's turning into her new chef. Isn't, isn't that a funny transition so that, you know, if a kid that was never exposed to cow's milk, you know, and somebody saw a kid shaking the milk container, you know, <laughs> it's like, what is wrong? <laughs> I, and I think, you know, the great thing about it is it's, it's more and more uh, acceptable. It's, it's in, like you say, it's getting into more and more places. I'm happy to see it's going to, you're going to get into, um, you know, local stores, um, besides, you know, the, the smaller whole foods, health food type, type places. So that'll make it, make it great. Um, I like the packaging. I like the size of it. Um, um, you know, one of the, uh, drawbacks from some of the box milks is that little tab that, you know, that little foil tab that you, you kind of get off and it doesn't come off and you wrestle it first thing in the morning and then it leaks all over the place. So I, I, I do like the twist. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've uh, th this is the traditional Boston round bottle is the shape of the bottle and it's uh, it's a little bit old school but it's uh, it harkens back to our DNA of just being clean and simple. We don't need to go develop a fancy bottle. Uh, we're going to take what is out there existing and go deliver the best, cleanest plant based product we can to our consumers. Hannah, and I think no. that's, that's that's really important because a lot of times people you know, again, think that a product that says non-GMO, um, you don't have to think about it, or a product that is, you know, vegan, you don't have to think about it, or, you know, plant-based, you don't have to think about it anymore. And, you know, the ingredient labels, ingredient labels can be very intimidating and you're like, oh, you know, what the heck? And most people don't look. So well, I, think and I think you can become overwhelmed too. I mean, some of these boxes, you know, I was actually just looking at the boxes um, and, comparing to others that I've had. And, you know, it's almost like a distraction tactic. You know, people can put so much, you know, going on with the logo and the color and everything else on the back. And it's like, this is just very clean and simple. And a busy mom, you're just out there trying to grab something, you know, when you're at the store, it can be overwhelming when you go and you try to look at that or even our patients, you know, so when it's just very clean and put out there like that, I mean, I think that just shows the honesty of the product as well. You're not trying to hide anything. You know, you're just putting it out there uh, for people to read and be able to determine this is a good option. And Addie, you, you referred to it earlier, but turning around the bottle, that's actually our marketing campaign is hashtag turn it around. And it starts with parents having the conversation at home. I mean, I talk a lot about my daughter. She's in fourth grade. I love her to death. My son too. But my daughter will sit there and grab stuff that we've had in our pantry for years and turn it around like, Dad, what is high fructose? <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I haven't got rid of that yet. <laughs> but engaging the next generation and reading those labels, and it's not just for my brand. I want it to be for everything that's in your fridge, that's in your pantry, when you're making, when you're walking the, the grocery store. I use, having been in CPG my entire career, I would tell my wife, I said, I can do the grocery shopping in 25 minutes because I just run and grab everything I used to always grab, and I'm out. And it's almost a badge of honor now because we alternate who goes grocery shopping is how long does it take us to go grocery shopping so we can do just that, turn it around and read the ingredients on all the food that we're bringing into the household. So that's something that, and I honor y'all for the work you do with your patients and your practice to, to help people to learn how to turn it around. Because I think that's where as a society, we have a huge opportunity. Do you think... Um, you know, and I know the public school system and the federal grants for the dairy industry 
do you think there's a foothold in maybe some of the more private schools or more charter schools to get milk alternatives in there? That is something that we want to make a difference in. And the, the very honest reality of that is there is a capacity constraint in the formats that you can actually bring to uh, that opportunity. So there's so many people that are, are looking to shelf-stable Tetra-type packaging that it is something that, you know, and what what's taking up this space, you know, be it the protein drinks or whatnot that's out there and, and being uh, grown in, in mass. Uh, but for us, doctor, that is something that we believe providing dairy alternatives at an earlier age to, to kids wherever they are, be it in private schools, public schools, accessibility in their local grocery store is something that you know, we take the mantle seriously of this is something that we can help with and, and we should help with as we can. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it is unfortunate. There's a study, I think it was published actually in the late 70s that looked at uh, dairy milk and juvenile diabetes in children. And, you know, if we, um, you know, if, if a kid's not exposed to dairy, their incidence of juvenile diabetes goes way down. Every time I see a advertisement for if we could just find a cure i i you know i screaming in the background (laughs) there are things we can do there are things we can do and dairy's not something that we need and of course i'm sure you're very aware with your health journey um t colin campbell's china research they took you know how do you feed starving kids in the philippines give them peanut butter the peanuts were contaminated they got aflatoxin toxicity liver tumors the ones that got dairy got more tumors uh, so then he took the protein and dairy casein protein. They dripped it on uh, liver tumor cells, tumors grow, li- dripped it on breast cancer cells. They grew, um, take it away. They shrink. So, um, you know, it's not the the blue skim milk that's going to save you. It's getting away from the cow that's that's actually, you know, can make a huge difference. Um, so. And there, there's so many studies out there. And, and what's sad is that the number of organizations that want to silence the the actual studies out there. And that's uh, that's a tough voice. Yes, the dairy industry is a, a pretty big presence. And, you know, uh, I actually have but, a, yeah, go ahead, Eddie. Well, I mean, even coming from a nutrition, I mean, and I won't get up on the soapbox, um, but a schooling background, you know, public universities too, where they're getting their funding from, where I went to college, our nutrition department was actually within the agricultural science department for some reason. And, um, you know, a big funder of that is, you know, the USDA and the dairy industry. And it's like it infiltrates to even the education system for professionals coming out. Um, so it, it can be a nasty cycle, but I, I do think you guys are a source for hope for that. You know, I don't want it to be all negative, but it is a little bit dicey out there when it comes to getting the word out there. You know what? And because we believe what we're doing is absolutely the right thing for not only the current consumers today, but future generations. And we're not going to be quiet about it. We're going to have some fun uh, within the space uh, first and make sure people know, hey, as you're choosing plant based, make sure you understand what's in there. Make sure you understand the difference in milk and product B, whatever that product is. And when you start to look at those labels, uh, just understand what that can do to your gut biome, understand how you're going to feel after some of those additives are in there and, you know, give Malk a try for a month and see how you feel differently just by changing, you know, one input to your diet. 
It's a great way to start. And I think, you know, and I do think that's a place where a lot of people do start is changing from dairy milk to a, an, an, an alternative. But again, like you say, a lot of times people just grab and go. So this is a, um, and, and it's, it's a process. It's a journey. You know, I mean, I, I certainly, and I'm sure you, your health journey was the same. You transition one thing at a time. And like you say, you find things in your pantry. It's like, oh God, you know, you grab things and, you know, we're still, we still grab things occasionally. And you looked at the back and it's like, oh man, I was duped, you know? And so it's nice to see simple is easy to read. Um, the packaging is good. Um, and, uh, great. Do you have any, uh, plans for the future? You know, would you expand into soy at all? Or is that something you're going to keep it very limited to, uh, almond? So two years ago, when I walked in, we had almost 20 different SKUs available. And I think it created confusion for our consumers. And uh, we believe to get back to simple. Um, as of today, we have five five products out at retail. And we're launching a sixth here in a few weeks. A chocolate almond Ooh. is coming to market. So we will have three almond malks and three oat malks. And, and for the time being, we want to make sure consumers understand, hey, you have an incredible original or unsweetened a vanilla and a chocolate option within an organic offering at your local retailer. And, and you referenced it earlier, doctor, that uh, within the natural channel and health food stores, we've got very strong presence, uh, but the, the team is working very aggressively to, to ensure that we get into more doors uh, across America. So as you walk into your store, you can actually find malk instead of having to go hunting. I'd like to make one plug too for um, mm -hmm. almond and um, oat milk and certainly milk is that from an endurance athlete standpoint, dairy can be quite irritating to the gut. And a lot of people, and there's a thing out there called runner's trots. <laughs> and people don't realize it, but a lot of it is because of dairy um, in the gut microbiome. And things start to deteriorate when you have less blood flow to your gut when you're doing a long endurance athlete. And so in some of the ultra running communities and different marathon, people go and they grab things like inshore and they grab, you know, some other, you know, or some other dairy horse, you know, cheese or whatever type of thing. But this is a great alternative, especially if you're going to come out with the chocolate milk, you know, and the almond, but, you know, but even the, the vanilla. And again, it was very pleasant to the stomach, easy to swallow, easy to digest, a good source of calories. Uh, some some fat, you know, what you need. So for an endurance perspective, I think this would be a, a great thing. And, and again, the way it's packaged, they'll go in a cooler really nice to go to an endurance event. So um, maybe you should look at that uh, marketplace a little bit too and uh, get get to some of these ultra events and, and put it out there because, you know, the Ironman people and different, you know, the, the milk commercials, the chocolate milk commercials, they make me go crazy. Um, you know, I see them screaming, no, no, don't do it. But, uh, it, it might be a, another place to, you know, Hey, this is a great alternative, much more healthy than those chemical experiments in those container things. That is, uh, the best way I've ever heard the chemical experiments in those containers. <laughs> that is, uh, as well said, you know, we, we just go crazy when, um, well, in hospitals, you know, I mean, you go and you sit on somebody's tray and there's, you know, one of those things and it's like, how is this actually helping anybody? It's not. So as soon as we get people out, it's like, this is how, you know, Addie works with people, you know, this is how we're going to get your calories in. This is how we're going to bring you back to, to life, so to speak, uh, not through the chemical experiments. 
I just, I, I honor the work y'all are doing because there's more people that need resources that, that y'all provide uh, to really help them feel better. And that's, you know, what we put inside our body is who we are. And that's something that I didn't understand until my late thirties. And uh, it, it's just a different world when you treat your body the way that it should be treated with the food you put into it and how you can actually, you know, live life at a fuller pace after that. So Absolutely. was it was it kids that, you know, I mean, that, you know, um, turned you around or, you know, uh, that you started thinking, you know, seeing things through their eyes or, you know, because, again, a lot of times the thing that's frustrating to us is that often people have to wait till they get into a significant health crisis to, to think about changing their diet. And even then, it's so confusing out there. Um, you're a um, a big fella, muscular looking kind of guy, you know, you would be the uh, poster boy for, you know, a carnivore diet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, so how did, how did, you know, things look for you? So, uh, I'll admit that, uh, I am stubborn as can be. Um, I actually was diagnosed with uh, Wolf Parkinson white syndrome at 23 and I had an ablation with that. It's a irregular heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Um, so had that. And then, uh, between 23 and 39, I tipped the scales over 300 at wow. least three different times. Um, and then it was uh, it was around my daughter's seventh birthday that I saw pictures of me again. And I was, again, yet over 300. And I realized that if I'm going to give my children the best chance to break the chain of being the big guy, you know, the big family, that I had to start with myself. And uh, over the course of you know a couple of years, I lost over a hundred pounds in the journey, uh, became more active in you know physical activity with jujitsu and hikes with the family, and uh, you know, finding those things that kept us more engaged. And it's the most successful that I've ever been in a health journey. I mean, I've had yo-yo effects of you know just pure cardio where I lose the weight, but I didn't change what I put inside my body. And the reality is that. If you don't change what's going inside, you'll never change the outside. So fixing the way I consumed food, the way that my family and I were active, really transitioned that. And it uh, it's interesting just the conversations that you're able to have, especially leading a company like Malk, um, about the impact of diet and, and how impactful it can be. And really, at the end of the day, it's about us taking control of what we bring into the household and the way that we provide the tools and resources to our families and what we eat. That's that's fabulous. And I, I commend you, you know, and that's amazing. Um, um, this is this is audio, not video. But, you know, I, you're not a big you're a, you're a muscular, fit looking guy is what I'm trying to portray there. Um, and I think that's that says something to the rest of the world. Again, jujitsu, uh, power athlete, hiking family. Um, yeah, it's what we it's what we put in our body to fuel these activities. And it's it's such a you know, it must be such a great thing to be able to transition from what you did represent to representing a company now that represents your lifestyle. It is the most freeing feeling in the world to be authentic across work and home and communities. Uh, it's just the best feeling. Great. Do you have a question, Eddie? 
No, no, I love it. I, I just, I was grinning when you, when you mentioned jujitsu, it's just the, 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 my husband's become obsessed with it. Um, he's strength coach, but we were all into that and the plant-based and it's just, it's, it's nice how sometimes worlds, worlds kind of cross over there, but no, I, we, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the product. Um, I did smile when I saw it in stores first, I will say, but not before I bought it, but, um, my son, I guess it is two and a half and um, you know, we've tried to instill in him from an early age too, uh, this importance for, for health. Obviously he's not in the conceptual age yet, but just what we put in front of him and his relationships with food, but he loves food. He loves to be in the kitchen with me and he's extremely verbal and he always has called it milk though. And so <laughs> when I saw your product out there and he was like, because he could talk a milk, milk chocolate milk is what he likes. I'll put like some cacao powder in his milk or whatever. Um, but then when I saw it, I was like, Kayla, we've been wiretapped to like someone <laughs> when someone else calls it milk. Um, so I, I did get a big kick out of that. I just wanted to share that with you, but I, I, I have become such even more of a fan I, from a, you know, dietitian standpoint. I loved it because simple ingredients, I'm all about it, organic plant-based. Um, but now to hear your story as well, put through it, I, I think that's just beautiful because we love the family nutrition aspect of it. Cause you know, we've always said we want um, our, our patients to be treated as family and we would want them to get the same information that we would give to our families and, you know, that our family unit is a team. And so the fact that you took it to that aspect too, you know, this is for the whole family. It's for the whole team, uh, you know, and, and, and the importance of that. So I, I just, I, I'm thrilled to, to get to know all of this about you. And I commend you for what you did. Because sometimes I think the family nutrition side gets overlooked because we've talked before on the podcast, you know, kids are sometimes seen as resilient. You know, we, we can feed them anything and they'll be fine. It's the old people who get sick, but we know that really to impact, you know, just like we impact our efficiency with these activities that you talked about, you know, for kids to be thriving, you know, it, it does add up at an early age, what we expose them to nutritionally. And especially since they're growing so fast. So I love that you've incorporated, not just, it's not just for the adults, it's for the whole family. And I think it's a great option. I mean, we've, taste tested it with all of us here and we've thoroughly enjoyed it. And we'll be, uh, Caleb will be enjoying his milk and we'll be making a smoothie here later with it. Absolutely. So no, but I had to share that. I was like, look, we have others out there. <laughs> that is awesome. I'd love to hear stories like that. I love to hear that. When yes. I was training for my first marathon, there was a particular commercial that would come on at, you know, six o'clock in the morning with a sunshine and you know what it is. <laughs> and so I'm so glad to see almonds in your background as opposed to that sunshine. <laughs> That's uh, it, yes, I will leave it there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it there. We're not going to say anything else, but it is, it's funny how things come around. We've, we've all had a health journey. I, you know, like I tell people, I grew up in West Virginia. You can't find anything that you've eaten that I haven't. So I know where you've been. And it's possible to go through, um, uh, you know, a health journey at any time and transition. Uh, you know, we just try to make ourselves a little bit better every day. And uh, I thank you for your time uh, and your samples. Uh, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. I, I love hearing about your health journey. And um, I'm going to take some of that stuff to the next uh, ultra marathon. How about that? 
That would be absolutely amazing. And I, I, you know, if we can help you out in that as you head to your next one, let us know. All right. Well, we'll see you in Texas. <laughs> thank you all so much for your time today. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. You have a happy Thanksgiving. Y'all as um, well. So hope you enjoyed the interview with Jason from Mulk Organics, and that's M-A-L-K. Um, again, they have varieties of almond, almond vanilla, and oat and oat vanilla. So look for them at your store. Hopefully they'll be in public soon here in Florida. As always, if you have any questions, you can email me at jamie at drdelaney.com or Addie, A-D-D-I-E, at drdelaney.com. Visit our website, drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y, for more information. We'll leave links in the show notes to uh, the Mulk products and how you can look at things and uh, see some of their journey. Thank you again for listening. Hope you have a happy holiday. See you again next week.